Hey there, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I get my show on Spotify and all the other places people love to listen? How can I make money with this podcast? And where do I want to host this show? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors so you can get paid to podcast. As an Anchor user myself, I love how easy it is to upload my podcast and the fact I can get to Spotify and other platforms. Plus, I love the fact I can now start making money with my talent and my podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Pulse Podcast Network. Keeping your finger on the pulse. PulsePodcastNetwork.com This is the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TickFlix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TickFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TickFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want. And bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TickFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TickFlix. That's TickFlix.com. T-I-S-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. It's episode 90 of the local Sunday Sports Podcast, and the dancing goes on. Find out which local college teams are still dancing. Also, find out who the state champions are in boys basketball. Let's step aside from the dance floor for the first conference series in college baseball and softball of the season. Who's going streaking in the MOS? And who's a national champion in the area? If it's happening in Cincinnati and Dayton, it's on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast to subscribe and listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Opening theme provided by Brian Boyko from freepd.com. Follow along on social media on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon and on Gem on Queen Crown. And now for our host, Lee W. Mallon. This theme will self-destruct in three... Two, one. Let's begin with OHSAA boys basketball. 
Hard to believe that basketball is completely done in the high school level now, but we have crowned a couple local champions. We'll start off with Division One and successfully defending their state title and going undefeated wire-to-wire the Molo Crusaders. They had a good battle with the Irish of St. Vincent St. Mary, but it was the Crusaders on top, 52-44 to for the Division One crown. And for the Division Two crown, their first ever state championship in basketball, it's Trotwood Madison and the Rams knocking off Columbus South, 77-73. That is Division Two for the Rams. Congrats go out to Trotwood Masson for their state championship. And also in Divisions 3 and 4, we have from Canal Winchester, that's Columbus area, Harvest Prep. They were the team that knocked out Purcell Marion in the semifinals, 48-41. Congrats go out to Harvest Prep for the Division Three crown. And Division Four. Convoy Crestview, that's northwest of Van Wert. So no, technically not in the Miami Valley, but they play in a conference that has Miami Valley teams. That's why we go ahead and mention it. They beat Berlin Highland, who is the team to knock out St. Henry in the semis. So congrats go out to the Crestview Knights for the Division 4 crown. Again, Moeller Division 1, Trotwood Madison Division 2, Harvest Prep Division 3, and Crestview Division 4. Now, I thought Crestview was a lot closer to, you know, the Miami Valley than it is. It's one county north of Mercer County. That'd be Van Wert County for those that like to keep track of that type of thing. Don't know why you would, but there you go. Congrats go out to the state champs. And also, for the first time in a while, we have a Mr. Basketball to crown in the local area. Xenius Samari Curtis. He's going to be a Cincinnati Bearcat this next college basketball season. And from Cincinnati.com, the article written by Scott Springer of the Cincinnati Inquirer, they interview him. Also named the Ohio Division One Player of the Year. He received the award Friday night at Ohio State's Schottenstein Center. And according to the article, he and head coach Mick Cronin have been talking a lot. And Coach Cronin told him, if you don't get the award, don't worry about it. It's just an individual award. Focus what you can do great here at UC. So the six foot guard, six foot four guard, averaged 34.4 points per game for the Buccaneers in the Greater Western Ohio Conference last year of the G-Walk, as we're going to know it. Second in the league, averaging 5.8 assists per game, 816 points in the senior career. And a Xenia record of 2,109 points, which is ninth in state history. And Coach Cronin just beaming on the fact that the Bearcats got him, mentioning that Sabari Curtis is a tremendous kid. And he kind of wished she had him for that weekend. A little bit later, we'll talk about that weekend. I'm still not quite over the fact on that. And Curtis mentions that he doesn't mind changing his game because the offense runneth through Jaron Cumberland. Hard to believe I got to see him at Flying to the Hoop when I did that tournament. Also committed to Xavier when Chris Mack was at the helm and then flopped to UC. So that's definitely going to add some fuel to the fire in the Skyline Chili Crosstown shootout. Especially four years if Curtis stays the entire time with Cincinnati. And Coach Curtis really likes Coach Cronin's honesty. And 
is talking. The next goal for Curtis is trying to get 2,000 points at UC, which is something only Oscar Robertson and Sean Kilpatrick were able to do. Think about the long history of Cincinnati basketball and just think the Big O and Sean Kilpatrick. I actually saw Kilpatrick at a game at Rice State, and that guy shot, you know, unconsciously. That guy was a beast. It was kind of cool to see him play in the NBA, too, a little bit, especially with the Brooklyn Nets. But still, great honor for Samari Curtis. Definitely deserving. Your other finalist for the award, I think the closest one would be Olin Tangy Liberty's Ben Roderick. And the rest are from outside the Southwest Ohio area. Lorraine had Devon Grant, Bo Myers of Logan. I'm pretty sure that's not Logan County around here. Brandon Haraway of Norwalk. Davis Black of Byesville, Meadowbrook. And McDonald's Zach Rasiel. I believe that's Rasiel. I actually don't know how to say that. Also, there is a Division One basketball player that is... Moving on to play college hoops, that would be Bowler's Miles McBride, who will join Bob Huggins at West Virginia. Some of the other media-selected Ohio Mr. Basketball winners include Luke Kernard of Franklin, who, you know, is having a pretty nice NBA career with the Detroit Pistons. O.J. Mayo, when he was at North College Hill. Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's LeBron James. Wonder what he's doing. Oh, yeah, he's with the Lakers. Unfortunately, he's not making the playoffs. And, of course, you have people butting heads on, is he the GOAT? Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Why not just appreciate both players? I don't like the saying GOAT either. I don't know why. Also, Ohio coaches used to present a similar award, which, out of Dayton Christian, was Romain Sato, who played with Xavier, Damon Flint of Woodward, and... Tyrese Walker out of Hamilton for Xavier. Again, this article is Cincinnati.com, part of the Cincinnati Inquirer, written by Scott Springer. Tremendous kid. Really pumped that he got to play around here. Got the Mr. Basketball Award. And now has a chance to do great things with Cincinnati. And speaking of Cincinnati, it's still that month and it's still madness. And I don't say the whole phrase because I don't want to have this episode deemed for copyright. That and, you know, the superb owl. Because apparently you can't say that either. But anyway, there's one local team still dancing. Just one. I mentioned all six Division One squads had at least one of their teams make the playoffs. And that would be the women of the Cincinnati Bearcats. The women's basketball team in the WNIT. It looked like they were going to fall to Minnesota, but the Bearcats outscored the Golden Gophers 24-12 in the fourth quarter and defeated Minnesota 72-65. To get to that game, the Bearcats took down State foes Youngstown State and the Penguins 76-62 in the first round. Both those games were at UC, and that sets up a battle at UC with the Bearcats walking in the Butler Bulldogs out of the Big East, formerly of the Atlantic 10 and the Horizon League. That's your only team still dancing. I caught some of the local games on radio, and some of them were good, some of them were not so good. And let's go through all those now. We'll start off with UC. They made the big dance 
and had an 18-5 lead over Iowa. And that turned out to be a 79-72 win for the Hawkeyes in Columbus. That's right, Cincinnati not only got to play close to home, about an hour up 71, but they had a tremendously large lead, and then the Hawkeyes decided to shoot lights out. And the Hawkeyes end up winning by seven. I was listening to the tail end of that. Dan Horde, one of my favorite local broadcasters around here, does a tremendous job with UC basketball and football and the Bengals. Even though the Bengals struggled this year, it's always nice to listen to Dan Horde call it. Like I mentioned, Cincinnati tried to make a run, then Iowa just... What they end up shooting, the Hawkeyes? I think 62% for the game. So yeah, it's hard to stop that, but when you can't answer and when you give up a 13-point lead, yeah. I also thought that they made a goof by they, I mean the national broadcasting crew, you know, part of CBS, TNT, uh, True TV, formerly Court TV, <laughs> if it was on Court TV. Too bad there's no, well... Too bad there's no college courts called the Supreme Court, like Ottawa Glandorf High School up north has. That would be cool. But anyway, I thought they took a picture and mixed up Dan Horde and Mick Cronin's name. Apparently, Mick Cronin has a brother, Dan Cronin. And I got a kick out of that. It's like, wait a minute, you're now disrespecting Cincinnati so much you decide to merge the two? No, it's his brother, so sorry. But that made me laugh. So yeah, Cincinnati's out of the big dance in the first round, and it's their, it's the largest lead they've given up since, uh, let me look at my notes, oh yeah, last year against Nevada, and I think that was also after a Wright State softball game, uh, but this time I was going to a Wright State softball game, so there you go, Cincinnati's out, Northern Kentucky, they fell in the first round to Texas Tech, 72-57, the Red Raiders with one of the strongest defenses in NCAA, and the Norse, a lot of the key components did not fare well in that contest, which it happens. It's basketball. But Northern Kentucky fell in the first round, 72-57 to Texas Tech. Now to the NIT, there was one team that moved on from the first round. That would be the Xavier Musketeers. They defeated Toledo, 78-64. And then they fell in OT to Texas, 78-76. And they... Game that the Musketeers, I believe, had a fairly decent lead. And then Texas, then they battled. It's almost like the Xavier-Villanova game in the Big East tournament. And then Villanova came back and tied it late for OT and then won it in OT. Two tough losses in span, a short span for the Musketeers. But I feel like the future's bright for XU. On the other side, the Dayton Flyers and the Wright State Raiders fell on their NIT opener. First time ever that the Raiders have been part of the NIT, and I think the first time since the Flyers won the NIT back in 2010. The Flyers fell 78-73 at Colorado in a very late night game, so late in Dayton time that'd be 11 o'clock. And Wright State fell 75-69 at Clemson in a game that was quite back and forth. The Raiders were down, I think someone told me, 16-2 to early on, and that it was tied at 33 at the half. Wright State Clemson kept exchanging leads, and then the Tigers took it for good late on 
a foul and a three-point shooter, and all three were made, and Wright State couldn't turn the tides after that. I'm quite proud of the Raiders. I wish I could say I listened to the Flyers game, but I think I was asleep by then. I'm sorry. But listening to the tail end of the Raiders game coming out of the Elks hockey end-of-season banquet, it's quite proud. And the big storyline is Brad Burnell, the head coach of the Clemson Tigers. When I was in college, he was the four-year head coach of Wright State. Took the Raiders to the big dance his first year and had very, very solid seasons. Just couldn't get over the hump back to the big dance in his last three years at WSU. Then took the, was it the Clemson job right afterwards? It's hard to believe he's been at Clemson that long, but I thought there was a job in between. I might be thinking of... His fallout at UNC Wilmington, where the AD kind of let him go, and then, hey, Wright State hired him. Good for us. Like I said, quite proud of the Raiders for that battle. I think I mentioned that I saw the Flyers and the Raiders moving on, but turned out not to be true. Solid seasons for both WSU and UD, and I think the season is bright, or the future is bright. And no, we did not get a Gem City Jam. And I don't see it happening again, I don't know, for a while. Might not be in my lifetime, I don't know, but it is a shame. So we mentioned Norfolk, Kentucky, and Cincinnati falling out of the big dance. Mentioned that Wright State, Dayton, and Xavier are now the NIT. That means all the local teams that made the men's basketball side are out. And actually, I do have an update on the... What is it? Sweet 16 now? Second round's done. This is on CBSSports.com. Of all the results. Sweet 16 looks like this for Thursday. Should I be saying Sweet 16? Is that copyright? Nah. You have Gonzaga. Number one seed taking on number four Florida State. A two and three battle at Tennessee Purdue. A 2-3 and three battle of Michigan-Texas Tech. That should be a good one, like uh, the Volunteers and the Boilermakers behind it. And Virginia taking on number 12, Oregon. And a lot of my Twitter timeline saying that Oregon's a fun team to watch. So that should be very exciting. Gonzaga, Florida State, and Michigan-Texas Tech are in Anaheim. Purdue, Tennessee, and Oregon-Virginia are in Louisville. Which actually, that's pretty close for both UT and... Is that PU? Or is that UP? No, I, I Purdue in Tennessee. There you go. The other side of the Sweet 16, these two games happening in Washington, D.C., Michigan State and LSU, the battle of 2-3, and three, and a 1-4 and four of Duke, Virginia Tech. At Kansas City, it's North Carolina versus Auburn, and Kentucky versus Houston, who knocked off Ohio State. So that's your Sweet 16. Already here. Sweet 16, baby! Can you believe it? I certainly can't. Uh, going back to... After that horrible Dick Vitale impersonation, I'll tell you in the WNIT, the one local team left is Cincinnati. And this one is to get to the quarterfinals. If Cincinnati beats Butler, then it'll be a battle of Arkansas, TCU, whoever wins that battle between the Razorbacks and the Horn Frogs. On the other side of that bracket, West Virginia, Northwestern, and Ohio, who had a very strong season along with Miami. They'll take on Western Kentucky, who was a team knockoff Moorhead State, who was a team knockoff Ohio State, 
and Western Kentucky was the team to knock off Miami at Miami to move on. Championships April 6th, and that'll be on the CBS Sports Network for the WNIT. And a quick word, and I'm sorry I missed it last week, the Sinclair women's basketball team, they were in the NJCAA Division II Women's Basketball Championship after a very, very strong season. By very strong, I mean the Tartan Pride Went 28-6 overall, 14-2 in conference play with seven players. They did quite well. I was about to mention they won the District 1 championship in Region 12, XII. That's 12, right? The NJCAA Region 12 District 1 championship by beating Lakeland Community College 65-50 in Circleville at Ohio Christian University. And for... The Women's Basketball Championship, I believe they knocked off Niagara County Community College by 174-73. I think it was a last-second shot, too. They fell to Lackawanna College. And this is all happening in Harrison, Arkansas. They lost in the quarterfinal by 10. Came back and beat the number one Illinois Central College squad, 81-77, for consolation. And the fifth-place game, St. Clair fell short to Pima Community College. 6457. Apologies for missing that big news last week, but what a great year that Sinclair had. Those ladies have a bright future no matter where they go and everything like that. And also in the women's big dance, because I forgot it went down towards the second page. <clears throat> Sorry. The Wright State women fell to Texas A&M, 84-61. Tried listening on WWSU, but the problem is with Skype calls, it had a lot of in and outs. So it was kind of tough to listen to and also kind of tough to follow along. Except apparently it was the last game of the senior's career. That was mentioned a couple times, but there you go. While the Raiders lost 84-61 at Texas A&M, Angel Baker had a beautiful no-look pass behind the back that made SportsCenter's top 10 plays at number 8 for March 22nd. That's huge. That's awesome, too. She's got a bright future at Wright State, Angel Baker. Her first year at WSU, too. And for the other local squads, I mentioned Miami fell to Western Kentucky in the first round, 67-63. Dayton, who made their 12th trip to a postseason tournament, they lost in their opener at Northwestern, 74-51. And now that completes the entirety of the local colleges that went dancing. Like I mentioned, though, still all six Division One squads had at least one team make it. That's pretty cool. You might argue that, eh, too much tournament. Why do we have all these tournaments? Yeah. You might argue that in a voice that's not so ridiculous. I, I don't disagree to an extent, but I don't agree to a full extent. I think, you know, a chance for, you know, these college kids to show that they work hard, you know. I'm not saying all teams need to go through a playoff. I'm not saying that. I think it's okay the way it is. Not the biggest fan of the buy-in tournaments, but uh, hey, there you go. It's still brand recognition out there. Hard to believe college basketball is now done in, well, outside the UC women, I should say. I apologize. But there's one team left dancing. One team left dancing, the Cincinnati Bearcats. They have Butler. Coming up, March 28th. 
go down and see the Bearcats play. And that will take us to our break on episode 90 of the Gem and the Queen's Crown, the local Sunday sports podcast. And step aside, and next we'll talk about college baseball, college softball, the teams to win national championships in the area, and MLS results, and also how these Cincinnati Cyclones are doing. Hint, they're still doing pretty well. Talk to you after the break. This is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Are you looking for something new in fantasy sports? The All Sports League is a 10-person online draft where you pick two full teams instead of players from eight different sports for a 16-team roster. It goes like this. If you get the first pick, would you go with the Golden State Warriors, pick the World Series defending Boston Red Sox, or head to the gridiron thinking that Clemson repeats or Alabama knocks them off? Online drafts start on June 16th, but spots are filling up quickly. Come check it out at allsportsleague.com. This is for listeners of the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Use the promo code PULSE and the number one and get $10 off. Again, that's PULSE and the number one to get $10 off. Sign up today and get to work with your new challenge of learning the rules and creating your very own big board like never before. We'll see you there at allsportsleague.com. Promo code PULSE1. We'll continue with part two of episode 90 of the Gem and the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, in a moment. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app for prop bets. They streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. It's a unique experience that gives the casual sports fan an opportunity to compete and succeed at the high level. Instead of a traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup in just minutes around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you pick 10 out of the 20 prop bets available, plus two ice picks that protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. Each prop has an over and under point value assigned to it, and you're rewarded the points if you pick correctly. For example, will Andy Dalton throw for under or over 250 yards? With the less likely the prop is to occur, the more points your choice will be if you picked correctly. And you build your team score around the amount of correct props you will select. Available on any mobile device through Google Play and the App Store. Visit bit.ly slash thrive pulse and the number two. And any new user who signs up and deposits using this promo code will double their initial deposit. Thrive Fantasy. Play with your friends. Visit bit.ly slash thrivepulse2 to double your first deposit. bit.ly slash thrivepulse2. Thrive Fantasy. Part 2 starts now. You got your snacks? Too late. It's starting. Now, college baseball and softball has been here, and it starts in the month of February, where most of the teams have to play Southwest or somewhere with a bubble. But with the warming weather and the rain staying away, knock on wood, there's probably wood in the wall anyway, it's time for conference play to start. Now, baseball in the Horizon League already has two in the books, but most of the other ones are just starting conference play. So we'll start off with the D1 schools first for Wright State. I'm coming off the first five home games for the Raiders and six total in a span of, what would that be? Four days? Wednesday? Friday? Saturday? Yeah, four days. Look at that. 
The Raiders opened up their home set with a triple header. They hosted Bowling Green Dayton, which played the first game. The Flyers won that game by one run, 5-4. Wright State defeated UD 7-5 in the next game and then walked off Bowling Green to close the triple header. And then Wright State welcomed in the Titans of Detroit Mercy. I had the call on Friday on ESPN3, and there are highlights floating out there. I believe Detroit Mercy made the highlights I shared. In fact, they did, so there's no believing there they did. The Titans won 4-3, 8-2, and 10-2 in five innings to sweep at Wright State. Is a good first game. I enjoy getting back on the play-by-play side of things. The Titans struck for two in the first. Then Wright State struck for three in the bottom of the first. Detroit Mercy tied up in the fourth that Friday. And then scored the last run of the game in the top of the fifth. Two win it four to three. And the doubleheader, the Titans continued to press on. Won eight to two in the first game of the DH. And won the second game to sweep the Raiders ten to two in five innings of play. I love softball. I I love being the PA announcer and also sometimes broadcaster. And getting back to go outside, it was it was nice. It was nice. Raiders softball team's quite young. The lone senior is redshirting this year because of an injury. So a very young Wright State squad. They're picked to finish fourth out of nine teams in the Horizon League. Only Milwaukee does not field softball. It was a tough series. But Detroit Mercy, give them all the credit. They were shorthanded. A lot of the Titans were scratched down the roster. But base running was quite aggressive. And really, it only bit them in the butt once on an overslide. Which, that stuff happens. But played well, hit well. And the Titans took three out of three from Wright State. Next up for the Raiders... Tuesday, tomorrow, the Raiders will host Miami University for a doubleheader, a non-conference tilt. And then Wright State goes on the road for three at Green Bay. And then next week, they'll host Nova Kentucky for three. Two games on Tuesday, next Tuesday, and one game on Wednesday. I'll be there for that Wednesday game. And we flip from softball to baseball, Wright State. The Raiders still have yet to drop a series and that's been since 2017 I say that's the year the UIC hosted and won at their place so I believe that's correct I think we dropped two or three at UIC but I'm not I'm not sure I could look it up but eh, this episode's going to be long enough as it is but still you're talking about two series against the teams are voted third and second, respectfully. Home against Milwaukee and away at UIC. And taking two out of three, it's quite impressive. The Raiders have dropped both game ones to Milwaukee at home and at UIC, but then picked up nice wins in games two and three for the UIC series. The Sunday game got pushed up to Saturday for a doubleheader, I think because of the weather concerns. I'm guessing, I mean, that's your big reason why. But the Raiders, they fell 6-1 to against Jacob Key, who's one of the strongest pitchers in the Horizon League, the right-hander. I think he went close to 8 and two-thirds, maybe 8. But solid performance for Key. The Raiders fell 6-1, to but took games 2 and 3, 10-3, to and 7-1. and With those two wins, the Raiders are now tied for first with two other teams. Milwaukee and UIC at 4-2. and Milwaukee lost the series at Wright State. UIC lost the home series against Wright State, and now 
all three teams are four and two. You want to be the first place team at the end of the year because it means you get to host. And if Wright State hosts, that means I get to PA all those games again. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of pumped on that. For Wright State, they'll have a home and home, which is something that rarely happens in college baseball, softball. Well, it happens a little bit more in softball. Not as a late, but there you go. Wright State will host Xavier Tuesday at Xavier Wednesday, and then we'll come back home Friday, Saturday, Sunday by hosting Youngstown State and the Penguins. Now we look at the Ever Horizon League squad in the area. That would be the Northern Kentucky Norse. Baseball's 3-3 three and three on the year. They swept Youngstown State, and then they were swept by Milwaukee. The Norse are in fourth place, a game behind Wright State, UIC, and Milwaukee. And the Norse will host Butler on Tuesday, at Cincinnati on Wednesday, and then at Oakland for three games. And for the softball Norse, they were swept at home by IUPUI, 4-2 in an 8-inning affair, 13-5 in a 5-inning affair, and one nothing to close out that series. So the Jaguars took three against NKU. Northern Kentucky travels to Ohio U next, and then a three-game trip awaits the Norse at Oakland. Now we look at the Atlantic 10's Dayton Flyers. Softball had their first conference series, and they took 2-3 at home against George Mason, winning the DH 2-0 and 7-1 before falling on Sunday 6-3. And now Dayton has a two-gamer on Wednesday at St. Louis. Normally you have three game sets, but because the A-10 has a lot more teams in softball, I think, you know, that's me guessing. If I'm wrong, shout at me at the normal address. Dayton Baseball took 2-3 at St. Louis, and this is a Billigans team picked to win the A-10, the preseason poll. Flyers won Friday 3-2 behind a very stellar performance by Hunter Wolf. Fell Saturday 4-3 and won in 12 innings 4-2 with a Marcos Pujols 2 Run home run. Pujols went one for four in his first game and hadn't collected a hit since in a few games. But that home run, quite clutch for Pujols in his first year at UD. And Corey Embriano came in for a one, two, three inning for a save. So the Flyers taking two or three from the A10 preseason favorite. That's huge. I mean, Dayton Slew, the Arch Baron series, as some people call it. It's a huge series. I mean, St. Louis, the closest team, is Dayton. But uh, years gone by, St. Louis has, you know, been strong against the Flyers. And to see UD start off A-10 play with a series win on the road in a tough environment, that's huge. I I still say this Flyer team is going to surprise folks. We got two very strong Division One teams in Dayton, Ohio, and you should check them out. UD will be home tomorrow, Tuesday, against Kent State. And yes, you can hear my beautiful voice there. Come for the baseball and stay for me talking, I guess. No, just come for the baseball. Flyers host Kent State. And more on the Golden Flashes in a little bit. That'll be tomorrow, Tuesday. Flyers head to Eastern Kentucky on Wednesday. And then hosting their first A-10 conference series with UMass on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Flyers 2-1 to start A-10 play. Very good start for Jason King and the Flyers. Now we look at Miami. We'll start off with baseball because I mentioned Kent State. Miami had a road series at Kent State. And Kent State's one of the strongest teams in 
college baseball in Ohio, second to only Wright State. And Miami's 18-4 and in the year after winning 2 out of 3 from the Golden Flashes in Kent, Ohio. This Red Hawk squad's going to surprise some people as well. We really do have a nice college baseball scene, if you think about it. So Miami took the first game at Kent State 3-2, to dropped the second one 12-2, and then won the nightcap of that DH 5-1. to Like I mentioned, Red Hawks are 18-4, and and they have a tough road test at Louisville on Tuesday, and then Eastern Michigan comes into town for three this weekend. Miami softball on the other side, they dropped 2-3 of at home versus Central Michigan. Both losses were in eight innings in softball. That's extra innings. 4-1 to in the Friday loss. 4-3 in the Saturday loss, and then Miami won 7-3 to cap the series. Red Hawks head up to Wright State tomorrow, then Bowling Green for two next Tuesday. So seven days off for the Red Hawks after the Wright State series. Now we head down south to Cincinnati. Both the Bearcats and the Musketeers do not have softball teams, so it's just college baseball here. UC took two of three on the road from South Florida after the Bearcats fell 10-4 to at Wright State. Nice comeback by the Bearcats. They dropped the first game 4-2, but won the next two 6-5 and 4-1. And it's a battle of the river as the Bearcats host NKU at March shot on Wednesday. And then Tulane comes into town this weekend. So Bearcats 2-1 in the AAC. For Xavier, well, I don't have anything to talk about Big East-wise because the first series is going to be next week, the 1st of April. The first week of April, I should say. But Xavier did take two of three at Evansville, won 11 to eight and five to two in the first two games, and then fell 10 to two. You might wonder, well, it's a non-conference series. What's so big deal about that? Historically, Xavier and Evansville were part of the Horizon League back in the 90s. Well, when it was called the Midwestern Collegiate College or Conference College, Midwestern Collegiate Conference. There you go, the MCC, and that changed in the Horizon League in 2001. It was about the time where Wright State and a flurry of other schools came in, along with Northern Illinois, who's now in the MAC. So yeah, Xavier used to be part of the Horizon League, as was Dayton, but this is before Wright State jumped in. I don't think Dayton would have allowed Wright State to come into the Horizon League. I think they went to the Metro before going to the Atlantic 10, the Flyers. So that's your look at Xavier. They'll host Wright State on Wednesday, go to Wright State on Tuesday, and then travel to Texas for a three-game series at the Longhorns. Like I mentioned, first series isn't first biggie series isn't until next week against Georgetown. And now we'll have a look at the local OCCAC teams. Sinclair currently co-leads in baseball three and one, and the Tartan Pride are fifteen and five overall. They share the top with Owens Community College. Clark State and Ensign are not too far behind as the Eagles and the Chargers are 2-2 two and two, tied for third. Sinclair Softball out of five teams in the OCCAC. That's Ohio Community College Athletic Conference. They're 12-9. No conference games yet. Edison is 6-6. Six and six. So that's your look at the local squads. Also, a uh, big shout-out to head coach Tony Vittorio. He won his first two conference games with the Wilmington Quakers against Muskingum at home, and then split the DH with Hanover. Now we talk about MLS. Two teams around Southwest Ohio. And wouldn't you know it, both of them are tied at the top of the table. Now, DC United has three games, and they're 2-0-1 
Uh, that's wins, losses, and draws. With seven points, and both Columbus and FC Cincinnati have seven points after four games. Both the crew and FC Cincinnati are 2-1-1. One, and one. That's two wins, one loss, and one draw. FC Cincinnati has routed off two straight wins, and Columbus suffered their first loss at Philadelphia 3-0. For Cincinnati, a 2 nothing win at New England, and the Revolution just looking for answers to this point. They are so far down, it's not even funny. I mention it every time. Robert Kraft, the owner of the Revolution, you think about the Patriots and how great they've been, and then you look at the Revolution like, what happened? If Robert Kraft put in the same resources in the Revolution, I guarantee you, I mean, you'd have the Tom Brady of soccer. Then everyone's like, oh my god, it's wearing Uggs. Uh, Uggs. You have Uggs. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure that's what people would say, but you get my point. Uh, there, there are a lot of fans asking for Robert Kraft to sell the team to someone that has soccer knowledge. Maybe keep him in Gillette Stadium. Maybe build soccer-only stadium for a revolution. But yeah. FC Cincinnati is on a roll. Columbus fell 3 nothing at Philadelphia. Also, that is the first win for the Union, first loss for the crew. For FC Cincinnati, that win is huge, considering that most of the team is away on international duty. And that's being, you know, players for their home countries, not, you know, we're just overseas. I think you already knew that. So, yeah, Columbus and FC Cincinnati, two wins, one loss, one draw. It's just too bad that hell is real won't happen until August. So, yeah, you still got a while. And now time to congratulate the Cincinnati Swerve and the Cincinnati Sirens for winning their national championships in the Premier Arena Soccer League, the PASL, as the Swerve defeated the KC Cyclones 5-3, and the Sirens defeated the Detroit Waza Flow 4-3. That's a classic name, Waza Flow, but I don't know the historical reverence behind that name. So congrats go out to both the Swerve and the Sirens. They play in Fairfield at the Game Time Performance Center. I believe that's the name, but it's in Fairfield. Trust me. That's huge. I mean, I wish I talked more about the Swerve during the season, but it's always like I have close to an hour episodes and people, you know, I try to keep it cut down. That's not a good excuse, and I do apologize. But, hey, national champions happen in Cincinnati or Fairfield if you like split hairs. But... That's huge. And the Dayton Dutch Lion folks were also excited because there's a couple players that are part of the Dutch Lions family that play for the Swerve. And there's a lot of names here that I recognize. Sam DeRoy out of Wright State. Chris DuPont, also of Wright State. And I believe the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. Was he part of the Dynamo that second year? Yeah, he was. He was, wasn't he? Logan Gumbert, uh, Christian Johnson... Uh, Matt Kinkoff, a lot of the names I recognize from the Dynamo and Dutch Lions, they they play on the Swerve. Bradley Schluter and Jake Stovall, assistant coaches for Centerville Elks Boys Soccer. Great name, Trace Sword. Hopefully not pronounced S-word. It's S-words. We're not doing swords. <laughs> celebrity Jeopardy. Go look it up. I think it's the first Celebrity Jeopardy they ever did back in 1996. Also, Corey Weisenhunt, Tyler Washington. I believe Michael Young's a familiar name. But yeah, familiar names on the Swerve squad. It's very nice to see. And it's a big day for Cincinnati soccer. 
Swerve and Sirens are national champions in the PASL and FC Cincinnati took their first win on the road at New England. Soccer's big in Cincinnati and Dayton. Don't knock it. And don't knock it until you at least give it a shot. And that'll bring us to the Cincinnati Cyclones. I mentioned that high school hockey is done, but I didn't say anything about minor league hockey. Yeah, the Cyclones are still kicking butt. Best record in the ECHL, 47 wins, 12 losses, and 7 losses after regulation, 4 in OT, and 3 in shootout. Playoffs start in April, and the Cyclones will host the first two games of the first round. Opponents still yet to be determined, and I think there's three home games left, starting with Wednesday against the Kansas City Mavericks. They play at U.S. Bank Arena. Definitely go out and catch Cyclones hockey live. I'm still a little sad that Cincinnati media only says, oh, the Cyclones are playing here. Why don't, why aren't they on radio? That would be huge. And I think that'd be a big ratings grabber in Cincinnati. I mean, you got three sport, well, technically two sports stations, but I, I don't listen to 700 outside sports. I don't listen to talk radio outside that. No thanks. But you got stations. You can, I mean, four AM stations that you can pick up in Dayton. You could move them there. I don't know. But that's just me. Also, in case you'd like to increase your knowledge, the Kelly Cup is named after one of the founding fathers of the then East Coast Hockey League and Patrick J. Kelly. And it's been that way since 1996, I believe. Another 1996 reference there. So yeah, Cyclones, 47-12-4-3. Playoff star in April. Definitely catch some Cyclones hockey. And they're looking for the first Kelly Cup since 2010 when Chuck Weber was the head coach and he won a pair of Kelly Cups in 2008 and 2010 with Cincinnati for taking another job. This is probably the best Cyclones team since the 2010 Kelly Cup. And like I mentioned, it's a shame that it's not covered more. So there you go. And technically, that's the end of episode 90. That's all I have. It took me about two hours to type three pages. But yeah, uh, you might notice that on some platforms, this is listed as a two-parter. Hopefully it goes okay or else I'll have to delete it. On PulsePodcastNetwork.com, the shop... Uh, got reset after an update, so I had to put up a, another sweatshirt and shirt. They are available. Shirts are 20 and hoodies are 30. You know, go buy it and then wear stuff from the local Sunday Sports Podcast and support not only myself, but the Pulse Podcast Network. That would be dandy. Thank you. Also, you can support this podcast going to anchor.fm slash the Lee W. Mowen and and I think there's a support button somewhere there, if you want. And now I want to talk about the stats. Normally I keep a whole of stats, and I don't really air them out, but lately I've been kind of hitting low on the stats. I mentioned that Anchor has a new way of stats, and it actually measures who listens from where, and my hometown, West Alexandria, has 2%, meaning probably my parents' Which is fine. Hey, any ears listening to this podcast is great. So my big thing is, what's it going to take to get me to get you in this car and then give me a bunch of cash for it? No. 
what can I do better on this podcast? Is the sound quality poopy? I thought it was okay. I mean, I've been doing this for now 40 episodes like this. This is the first one I'm splitting into two parts for Anchor, so I can slide another Anchor ad in there and get a little more money. Spoilers, I'm not supposed to reveal behind the curtain, but, you know, I don't I don't like being dishonest, so there you go. Is am I, am I the source for local Sunday sports that you want? Now, if people start requesting me to talk about Ohio State, the answer is no. I'm sorry. This will not be an Ohio State podcast. No way. With all the sports happening in Cincinnati and Dayton, you know, there, there needs to be love for those sports. And there's probably like 26,987 Buckeye podcasts out there. I'm not one of them. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of Ohio State. If you are, cool. But I'm not. And no, I'm not a fan of Michigan either, so don't. Ask that right afterwards. You gotta be a fan of one or the other. No. No, I don't. What what can I do better on this podcast? Are the segments too long? You know? Are the topics, you know, dull? I want you to help me out and tell me, you know, what can I do better? I don't know. I mean, stats seem very low. I mean, lower than what they normally are. And I think last week, according to Anchor, I only got 13 hits on it. So, it does make me sad looking at the stats and seeing nobody's listening to this. And like I mentioned last week, I'd done this to prove to employers out there I can actually talk about sports and you shouldn't just throw my resume in the shredder like everyone else does I even thought about seeing hey how much does it take to start up a radio station make it sports but then again I don't have a penny to my name at this moment so I want to know what do you want to hear out of this podcast and what can I do better? I want you to reply back to me on Twitter. You can go to the Lee W. Mowen or Gem on Queen Crown. I read both. On Facebook, if you're friends with me, go ahead and message, you know. Or go to the Gem on the Queen's Crown Facebook page. Get that like, by the way. And then talk to me about what you want to hear. I'll get guests eventually. Again, I got to email a few. But, yeah, I mean, I want this podcast to succeed. And I think it's the best source of local sports out there. It's just, uh, stats are getting lower and lower. And I'm wondering if, you know, do I offend? Do I bore? Do I snore? No, is the answer to that. But I'd like to know, what is it going to take for this podcast to get in your ears and you enjoy it and then tell your friends to listen to it approaching episode 100 just 10 more of those good golly next month is April as you might know if you read the calendar or you know keep track of that stuff and it's going to be a very busy month there's only 6 days right now that I don't work so podcast wise I'll still try to make 5 throughout uh, there might be a week that I miss because, again, I'm 
I'm going to be quite the busy bee, bouncing around from Fifth Third Field in downtown Dayton. That's right, the Dragon season starts. Hopefully next week I'll have the roster, and we'll talk a little bit about it, but I think the roster is released April the 3rd. That's Wednesday, and normally I like to do these podcasts early in the week. We'll see, though. We'll see. Because I, I like to. I would like to introduce the Dragons team on here. You can follow them at Dragons Baseball on Twitter to actually go and look right now. See if there's any more previews. I think the bullpen is the only thing that's left. For the Wright State fans, there is a former UIC flank that might make it to the Dragons of Ryan Campbell. And I'm pretty pumped for that. Ryan Campbell will be the second UIC Flame drafted by the Reds in the last few years. The other one was catcher Kevin Connington, and I don't think he made the majors. At least I don't think he did. But, yeah, this Saturday is going to be the 20th team alumni game. It's at 2 at 5th 3rd Field, so go down to 5th 3rd Field. I won't be there because of the fact that, you know, Flyers baseball and announcing. Less than a week. Tickets are available you can call them at area code 937-228-2287 or just go to Dragons of Baseball on Twitter like I mentioned. Yeah. And then high school baseball starts that Sunday, like after the Dragons host the first two home games against Bowling Green, then they hit the road, then high school baseball comes to town Sunday. The Reds Futures High School Showcase, that's not until mid-April, but there are two games at Wright State this year, and yes, I'll be announcing those. I think it's Fairmont, Springboro, and Beaver Creek, Miamisburg, which would be the first time doing that event that Franklin is not part of it. In this case, neither is Centerville or Northmont. Hmm. But yeah, Lots of stuff, April. Hopefully, you'll follow me at the Lee W. Mowen or at Gem on Queen Crown for the next few episodes. Still planning episode 100. I know this is a broken record at this point, but still like to have a live stream. I might purposefully miss a week, but we'll see. We will see. Actually, one last thing. Dan Gilbert is listed on here. Why is that? Doesn't look like there's... Any news on that? And some Indians fans out of Cleveland want Dan Gilbert to buy the Indians. Okay. The more you know on Twitter. Anyway, any suggestions to make this podcast a lot more popular? Please. And thank you. And that will do it. That's episode 90 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Next week... Whole lot more local Sunday sports. Just what the broadcaster ordered. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, take care. Pulse Podcast Network. Keeping your finger on the pulse. PulsePodcastNetwork.com This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mowen, spelled T H E L E E W M O W E N, 
and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmowen.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.